It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. In today's show, it's NBA draft analysis again. We go on top of the draft. Brandon Miller, Taylor Hendricks, and some interesting second round prospects as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So we're here. We're going to do NBA draft stuff. We're going to talk Taylor Hendricks, Brandon Miller, Dayron Holmes, Jalen Slauson, and, and Omax, which one of the best names ever, Omax Prosper. We're going to talk about those guys. And we're going to do it with a guy that you've seen on this show for many years. I think as back as 2018, I think might have been the earliest that he was on the show. That is Brian Schroeder. So we'll get him on now. All right, let's uh, let's bring him back in for yeah. We've had him here plenty of times. Brian, oh, I've hit the wrong button. 
That is that is disastrous to hit that wrong button. Oh no. Anyway, as we're here, we're here, we're talking, we're reality <laughs> checking, whatever. Brian Schroeder, you're here. Welcome. Thank you for having me again. We're here to talk NBA draft, and we've got five guys we're going to talk about today. But before we do into that, let's talk about another five players. Let's talk about the start of the NBA draft lottery. I'm asking everyone who comes on with the top five picks, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, and Detroit. What would you do in those top five picks? Well, I mean, the Spurs is obvious. That's Mavinyama. Two, now what I would do is different than what I, I'm at the point now where I'm just what I think will happen. I think the Charlotte's going to take Miller. I think they are too. I just, that sounds, it's Jordan's type. It's what they would do. And then I guess Portland at three will take Scoot. It's going to be somebody else, I feel like. And then I'm assuming I'm Thompson to the Rockets and then Jairus to the Pistons. What would you do though? So you would you would take Scoot at two. So would you? Would I would you take do? Scoot. Yeah. yeah. So would I. What? I might even take him in. I might even take him in, depending on how the Hornets feel about him. But interesting. What would you do at? So would you go uh, a man at three then? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's exactly what I would do. And we're going to talk Brandon Miller in a second because I know you're down on him. So what would you do at four and five then? You could still you could convince me of Miller at four or five. I probably for the Rockets it's tough though. Is he that much different than Jabari? I don't know. I would probably go. I I, I might trade for the Red Four with the Rockets. So maybe maybe just take uh, maybe just take Miller and then five probably still Jarris. Interesting. So there, there are so many options of what you can do. We know what's happening at yeah. one. I think most people I'm going to talk to are going to say, "Hey, I think Miller's going too, but I'm going to take Scoot at two. I think that's what nearly everyone I've spoken to has said so far. But then everything else is mm-hmm. uh, you know can can mix and match, and that'll bring us now to talk about a guy that you are higher on than the consensus. You're actually the same as me on this guy. And that is... uh, It's Taylor Hendricks, the forward from UCF. I'm excited that we've got a UCF player in the NBA that's not Taco Fall to begin with. But he's 19, he's 6 foot 9, he can shoot, he can defend, he averaged 2 blocks per 36 minutes, he shot 39% from 3, 59 true shooting, 21% usage. Just not a super high usage number, but a defending shooting power forward type of player i think is extremely mm. valuable you talked about yeah would you consider having jarris at pick five to the pistons i would have hendrix over jarris walker um and you are in a similar sort of vein of having hendrix yeah. high like what's your selling point for him over these other wings cam whitmore jarris walker even brandon miller well, the selling point is that he may not entirely be a wing. He could be a small center who kind of moves like one. Like honestly, the player I've been I've been kind of thinking of lately is sort of Jonathan Isaac. Okay. Almost I don't know if he's that level of like event creator like like stocks guy, but every game I saw him play, and I probably watched 20 to 25, even when he was 1 for 8, you know, 2 for 9, the defense was still he just stayed connected, stayed low, just knew what he was doing defensively in a way that 19, like 18, 19 year old, not high recruit freshmen are not really supposed to. He understands how to cut. He understands how to ha- a little bit of handling. A little, I mean, the spot up shooting is legit good, like even for his size. And so really right now he looks like a guy who could start at the four for a playoff team in a couple years. And if you could teach him how to handle like at all, then you've got like, actual third like maybe like a third score a third star like legit possible all nba guy in the in you know a few years which is still in this draft which is a good draft but it's i don't think it's superstar heavy i think that's a guy you take at least top eight 
I, I don't think there's like I've seen him getting mocked at ten and eleven, which seems pretty crazy to me. I, there's no way he goes outside the top eight to me. Um, and I, I could see him anywhere from uh, from four, probably not four, but probably five through to eight is more likely for me with Hendricks. In terms of yeah, the strengths we talk about defense, shooting. What's what's the biggest strength? What's what's the number one thing? I would still say the shooting because I think his release point is really high and his ability. Like if he starts working in some two, three dribble, come around screen stuff, then you've got like a, a guy who like breaks a defense at like the four or even small ball five. So I mean, like if he can add a little strength and really start to get that dribble drive stuff, you've got like what if PJ Washington was six nine, six ten, and not you know six seven maybe. Yep. And that's that's a pretty interesting player to me. So he, he, you're right. He comes in as a not highly regarded prospect, but he elevates his game this high. I think one of the things that you know, I've got him at five. But one of the things I look at and say, well, and, and I worry about with players is if you're going that high, like you're only 21 usage. Like, what you know, can you ramp that up? Can you become a guy who is 25% usage? Can you create shots for yourself at a higher clip? Can you help to set up others? Can you have that gravity? It's all well and good to be a guy that can shoot and can defend. And a lot of the stats from Taylor Hendricks, when you plug him into the Bartovic database and that sort of stuff with some, you know, to see similarities, like the name that came up with him was senior Robert Covington, who's a guy that's never been able to do that at volume and create for himself. But defense and shooting is all excellent. Is there, like he's obviously a lot younger than what senior Robert Covington was, you know, four years younger than that. Is there is that offensive, you know, let's say 25 usage, 26 usage mm-hmm. in the NBA, not not 30, not 31, like mid-20s. Is that possible? Yeah, I think Jeremy Grant, although he's stylistically different, is yep. kind of a guy you can look at for that. He kind of grew into that. I mean, I, I don't think the usage, it's still important, but I, I feel like the skill sets are more, I mean, you have the, the worry of like a Patrick Williams type who hasn't yet grown into it, although there may be other issues, you know, for that. But I mean, Halliburton was a, like, 15 usage guys yeah. freshman year. And then it, it, I feel like if you have the movement skill and the shooting skill, NBA teams will figure it out. Like I, I I'm not particularly worried about that. So you talk, um, I understand that. I understand though, if you're taking him like four or five, that is a small concern, but it's not a huge one for me. That would be like, I'd have the same concern with Jarris Walker. And that would be why I would consider mm-hmm. maybe going Cam Whitmore above there, because even though Whitmore's, you know, passing stats were pretty horrible. Like there is that usage ability and that usage upside and that like give me the ball and let's see what happens sort of mentality, which if it works can be really, really valuable along with the other skills, whereas Hendricks hasn't shown that. But I, I do think, and that's again why I've got him ahead of uh, Ajaris in on my board, is I think there is that ability there for him to step up. Now, you talked about playing him as potentially a small ball center in certain situations. Is there is there room in terms of his movement, athleticism for to go the other way, to play as a, as a big three with other big men on the court, the way that, say, the Magic this season when they were forced into situations where their guards were injured and, and Paolo was playing the three. Can you do that? I would say so because the only real concern you have with that is is getting switched and feasting, and he he does fine on switches. Like, he gets really low. He's not going to stop, you know, Damian Lillard, but he does fine. He's not a guy I'd be worried about. I mean, maybe as a rookie because he's a, he'd be a rookie, but – yeah, that's that's, Going that's forward, all rookies four, are. Four or five years, four or five years from now, I wouldn't be worried about that at all with him. We're going to come back in a second and talk about a player that you are lower on than consensus. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, pants, shorts, 
we all have to wear them, but we want something that's comfortable and want something that we can transition through. Whether we are going to the gym, we're working out, we're playing basketball, we're going to the supermarket, we're going to the mall, we're going out for dinner, we're going to the bar, whatever it is, bird dogs and their range of shorts and pants can fit all occasions. They're comfortable, multiple color options, multiple size options. You can go the, the short, short booty shorts, which is the ones I always go for. You can go the longer shorts, you've got your pants, everything's there. Comfort is king, but also versatility and looks is what Bird Dogs brings you. And we've got a special offer for you as well. So if you go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and then when you check out, use the promo code LockedOnNBA, not only are you going to get these great shorts or great pants that you're going to love, you're going to live in them, you're going to wear them that often, but they've got a free Yeti-style custom Bird Dogs tumbler that they will give you with every order. So head to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use that code LockedOnNBA. Get yourself that free tumbler and get yourself these unbelievably good shorts and pants from Bird Dogs. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, yeah, now he'll get into the juicy part of the show. Let's uh, let's give a reality check. Brandon Miller, we talked at the start that it seems that everyone is just saying, well, he's going to Charlotte at two. I think it's a mistake. Uh, you think it's a little bit of a mistake. You are, like he's, in all of the mock drafts I've seen, basically he's been going two to four. But looking at your big board, which people can check out your Patreon for that over there, you've got him even lower than that. So, Brandon Miller, if you don't know, he is out of, I think, my top 18 prospects, I think it is. He's the oldest player out of all of those guys. He's like a few months older than the Thompsons, but he is the oldest player out of all of those guys for me, my top 18. He's 6'9", out of Alabama. Disastrous tournament, obviously, but really good shooting numbers throughout the season. 58 true shooting, the higher usage, 20 points per 36 minutes, a steal and a block. All those numbers look pretty good. Why are you looking at him as not a player that you want to take in the top three? Mainly because I don't believe he is going to be any kind of primary scorer in the NBA. I mean, the skill level is pretty good. Like, the shooting is, is legit. I don't know yep. if he's that much better than – if he's better than Grady Dick or Jed Howard, but the shooting, he's, he's a good shooter. Um, and the handling is fine for what he is. He's just not a burst guy. It's a little bit of Cam Reddish. I mean, he's better, but it's a little bit of the same way that Cam Reddish looks really smooth when he handles, but it doesn't mean he's actually – like creating advantages. And then the uh, the finishing, and to his credit, got a lot better. It went from horrendous to just kind of okay over the course of the season. And he did start to figure out like the kinds of floaters he could take and, and where to go, like to take off for his layups. Cause he was trying to dunk on everybody to start the year and he got blocked. The North Carolina game, he I think he was two for 13 in the like around the rim. And he was getting blocked by like Armando Baycott and Leaky Black, who are like, possible NBA players, like, you know, not elite prospects. And he got a lot better to his credit, but I just think, I don't think there's any real chance of him being like a primary shot creating, like elite scorer, like even like a Brandon Ingram. And if you don't think that, I really don't see how he's like a top, he's not a, you won't go above Scoot or a men for me because I think those guys could be that. But I will say Charlotte's fit is not the worst one because he doesn't necessarily have to do that there. Yeah, no, that that, that would be that would, that would make it interesting. I I agree with that. I, I agree that 
in terms of if I'm just drafting exclusively for fit, it's fine in Charlotte. But I'm not. If I'm a team like yeah. Charlotte, I'm not drafting for fit. I want the player that I think... And look, if I had Scoot and Brandon Miller in the same sort of tier, at the same level, I would take Brandon Miller. He's seven inches mm-hmm. taller. He fits well with LaMelo Ball. It makes sense on their team. All well and good. I just don't. And much like you, I just have him lower. So I'm not jumping a tier ahead to grab a worse player who might fit. And who knows what happens with LaMelo Ball, you know, multiple injuries this season. Does he even want to stay in Charlotte? Like, what happens? Like, you're going to sacrifice that for a guy that might fit with somebody? That's just not the way that I want to go down there. And you're right about the finishing with him. It was really bad for most of the season. And some of his splits in terms of conference or top 100 teams versus mm-hmm. non is is quite stark. Like, a lot of his good numbers came against much weaker opponents going up against like top 25s and top 50s. They're much, much worse. Like everything drops. And that's usual, but it was a pretty stark difference to me. And when I put all of his in- numbers for the season into the, the Bartovic database, um, no one had done the sort of things that he's done. The numbers were exclusive. But then when I just dropped the threshold down slightly, the two names that come up as similarities were Torian Prince and Ryan Brokoff. And I go, okay, ooh, okay. Um, like that's fine, but... Like Ryan Brokoff played five minutes in the NBA and Torian Prince had like one season as a starter and he's just a serviceable wing sort of a player. And that's, again, a little bit of my worry with Miller is that we compare him to, say, Jabari Smith from last season. Is you, know, you can't be a primary guy. You're good defensive. You're really good shooting. But is there star upside there? And, and I think there's maybe sub-star, sub-all-star, but not multi-all-NBA yeah. star type of level, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the, the Paul George comparisons were mm. always crazy because I don't know if people remember Fresno State Paul George, but he was, like, jumping out of the gym. Like, crazy athlete. Yep. And Brendan Miller is, like, he he runs well. Like, he's not slow. He's not, like – I wouldn't even say he's unathletic. He's just not very – it's not – there's no strength to power. Like, Whitmore, the entire appeal is this guy is, like, if Miles Bridges was a notch closer to Zion almost, like, really powerful athlete and Miller just doesn't have like that burst that like explosiveness really. Um, so I, I think honestly, RJ Barrett kind of more the range he has, like he's going to have to win in the paint kind of the same way with like touch and strength and he's a better shooter. But I, I you know, I, I don't think now looking back, I remember everyone, a lot of people thought RJ Barrett was just right with Zion and John Moran. Mm. He's obviously not. <laughs> yes. Ob- no matter what obviously. issues they have. Yeah. Um, we're talking down a lot on Brandon Miller, but let's go a little bit more positive in terms of, you know, say, he's not Paul George, but a guy that's not supremely athletic, that plays on the wing and has had multiple all-star appearances in his career is Chris Middleton, a guy that was a mm-hmm. second-round draft pick, um, came in obviously a little bit older as well, didn't develop for a few years. It's obviously a different level of prospect in terms of how they're, they're viewed at the draft or even coming out of high school. But Middleton's not a hyper athlete. He's not getting it done that way. He's getting it done through being smart, good, good shooter, solid defender. Is there any, like, do you see that sort of part of where, um, where you wouldn't want Middleton to be a number one, but as a number two, yeah, yeah, you're pretty happy with it. I think the issue with that is that Miller's not, now part of this, I think maybe the NATO system, but Miller did not take mid-range shots at mm. all. So I'd have to see it. It could happen. He could end up being like, I mean, again, not with the athleticism, but like the Wiggins role in, in Golden State, maybe. Like, I think I think he's probably a starter. Like, I feel fairly confident that he will oh, start yeah. in the NBA long term. And like, that's a top ten pick. That's a top eight pick, really. Like, that's what we're talking about with Hendricks. That's yep. you. You know, the difference is that um, Hendricks is exactly one year younger, which I, I find really interesting. Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing that he's like. 
it, it is a really interesting thing that people sometimes don't talk about or talk about too much. But yeah. that is like you know, in one year's time, Taylor Hendricks will be at the same spot that Brandon Miller is. And sometimes reclassifications can enable people to get a little bit of a leg up. And they get, we talk about, oh, he was a highly rated prospect coming in. Yeah, because he was older than a lot of these guys coming in. And then that yeah. sticks with yeah. people for a long time. It's like draft stock in the NBA. Well, he was the number two overall pick. Yeah, but he shouldn't have been. And that was three years ago, looking at you, a certain center in Detroit or a certain two centers in Detroit, to be honest. And that yeah. sticks with people for a, yeah. for a long time. That, that, yeah, you know, high school ranking or, or draft position, and it takes a oh, while yeah. to move that away. And part of that is that you know, he came in a year older than a lot of these guys. Which I'm not again. There is he's a starter. He's a really good player. I just wouldn't never take him at number two. And in fact, I wouldn't take him at number three. I'd have him at four. Um, but I think it is important to discuss because everyone's really hyping this guy up. And I think part of it, Brian, and this is part of the, the scouting thing, is that. He's on TV for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. people watch the tournament, people watch college basketball. He's on plays for a big SEC school, so they see him all the time. I'm not saying that's what Mitch Kupchak does, but maybe he does. But they see him all the time. Whereas watching Scoot or watching, I mean, like it's not easy to not as easy to do. Like it's not just in your face the way that Brandon Miller is. But oh, best player college basketball. Here we go. I've seen this for thirty years. I know what college basketball players can do. Let's go from there. And I, and I think that is something that will influence some of people's either key decision makers or just casual observers on, on what his prospects are. Yeah. And you know, to these other leagues credit, it's not that difficult to watch Wemby games or G league night games, or even, I mean, OT is on Amazon prime. Yep. Uh, but the difference is you have to, you have to be searching for it. I feel like, and that's not a lot of people will just turn on CBS and watch the sec, you know, and they like people who love basketball, love college basketball, try and stay up as, as much as they can, but there's just a difference between that and like, Searching through, yeah. Well, you're not going to a, you're not going to a bar, yeah. and in the corner there's a Amazon Prime yeah. stream of overtime yeah. elite going on. It's like, well, here's the here's the SEC game of the the night, and Alabama's playing, and there you go. Like, so I saw him five times this year, peripherally versus going to search out highlights of uh, G League Ignite stuff, which people wouldn't do. It's just not on. It's not seeping into your consciousness yeah. the way that college yeah. basketball tends to do. That's two top ten type prospects. No matter what moves you made last year. TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let's talk about some second round players. Let's go to Dayton. Let's go to a center, Dayron Holmes, the second. He's almost 21. He's 6'10". Second round range, early second to late second in a lot of the mock drafts I'm looking at. Um, high usage, 27 usage for a center is uh, an interesting number. He shot 32% from three. That's really, really low volume. Blocked two shots. But that's a level of usage. Like, what's that? Like, Is he a a center who fashions himself to be an Andre Drummond who thought he could, you know, run offenses through himself or an NS Cantor. Is that just a product of the Dayton system? Cause it's a really interesting number compared to say a first round center like Derek Lively, who had like an 11% usage. Yeah. 
Yeah, Duran, um, he was mostly a mid-post guy. Like they just, but they just ran the whole offense around him because Dayton kind of lost some of their talent. They had some more. I mean, they had Tumani Kamara, who's like a G League, like a, a guy who's in the mix this year. But he he's just like the most. He had the most. He's got great touch, just kind of everywhere. Like just has nice hooks. Nice. He's a weird player because he sometimes he like has Robert Williams flashes where he covers a lot of ground defensively and like makes a nice rotation. Or he's also one of those guys who, if he gets two feet in the in the paint and gets two hands on the ball, he dunks. Yep. But in other ways, he's like weirdly flat-footed. He's an interesting athlete because he he's got a good frame. He's got good size. Like he can really score around the basket. He has a lot of just the general ability. But sometimes he looks like he might be a guy who gets victimized defensively. It's really hard to tell. He's an interesting evaluation. He got to but the. I think I think the scoring is legit. He got to the line a ton, like seven attempts per 36 minutes. Um, only shot 67% there, so there's a little red flaggy. Um, I, I'm looking at, you know, Tankathon's got him listed as a power forward. There's almost no way he can play at the four in the NBA, is there? No. No, didn't no I don't think so. Yeah, he's just a small center. He's like a, I mean, he's taller than Montrez, but that's the kind of center he'd be, I think, at least early on. So if we compare him to, to Montrez Harrell, famously terrible defensive player, but pretty strong offensive player, like where does he fit? on both ends of the court scale-wise there compared to a Harrell? Well, he's just larger and, and better around the rim than – like and plays like a center defensively. So I think he's – like I said, he's an odd player because I don't know if he's good at defense, but I don't think he's going to be like catastrophic or anything. You know, I think maybe a guy like Zeke Naji is kind of the idea. I don't know because Zeke is a different athlete. But I'm just thinking of a guy like I think – He's not a guy I'd spend a high pick on, like probably not a first rounder, but even at like 31, 32, I feel like he's just going to be productive. Like he'll have a role as just like a productive, like Nathan Knight kind of, or maybe like Nas Reed in a few years, although Nas is, again, different body type. But like a guy who who will, I think, stick on a, in a rotation is just like a, a scoring backup center who's not like miserably bad at defense. Yeah, so that gives you like, there is a role for that sort of player in the NBA to mm-hmm. find that, come in, beat up some second units, play 18, 19 minutes a night, you know, block a shot or two, get some energy going, all that sort of thing is relatively useful. And I think he's a solid enough player. I think I've got him mid-second round at the moment on my board. Um, it's not, don't look at him as, a, as, wow, this develops and this develops. I think he sort of just is what he is and it's nice little mm-hmm. scoring burst is, is really interesting and having that high usage is a bit of an anomaly amongst a bunch of centers, and that can be just a different look that teams can bring. Um, I want to talk now about a, uh, a another wing. There's so many of them in this draft class. This guy probably has the best name in this draft class. Well, it's got to be close to it. You're going to hear him referred to as Omax all the time. Olivier Maxence Prosper from uh, Canada played in uh, played for Marquette. Six eight wing, almost twenty one. Shot thirty four percent from three, but Really good true shooting, 62% there, got to and finished at 51 or 51% field goal percentage overall. Just a, a lower usage wing, but is rising up a lot. We've heard a little bit of buzz from him at the NBA draft combat, and I believe that he's pulled out of the next day's worth of scrimmages because of his uh, level yeah. of production. He played very well, yeah. That's always a pretty good sign. There's been a few of those guys that have stood out there. Um, a guy that we talked about a couple of days ago on the show, Tristan Vukcevic, he has also he also played really well, and I think he pulled out of scrimmages moving forward. But Prosper's a guy that wasn't really, to me, someone who was on the radar until you know I really started to dig into this. Not a name I'd heard a huge amount. Lo- love the name; it's fantastic. But what does he bring to an NBA team? Is it just is it just like, hey, you are a wing, you are six foot eight, six foot nine, you can shoot a little bit, you can defend a little bit. What is it that he does? 
He's really kind of uh, the interesting thing about about Omax. So Marquette, I really kind of I really kind of love what Shaka Smart's done there. They've become sort of a developmental factory already, where they they bring in guys for two years. Yep. And they they they're just kind of twitchy, kind of interesting athletes. The first year they don't play a whole lot, and then they just develop skill. Like Osiri Godaro has developed a lot of skill. Cam Jones has developed a lot of skill. Um, Omax was he started for them, but he would he was the kind of guy where one game he'd start off over two over three and they just wouldn't you know they would just say you're not and then the next game he'd start off six for six and he'd be scorching and that would be the omax game and every four or five games would be a game where he took 20 25 shots and he was killing it and i feel like it, definitely at the start that's what he's going to be like he's coming in off the bench and he's just going to launch he's going to launch threes he's going to run the good athlete he can run a transition he's going to slip off you know like back cuts and just get to the rim offensive rebounds put backs just be like a really high energy guy who could shoot and I think the idea is you take that guy, I, I would even say, I mean, I have him at 30. I'd even, you know, mid-20s, it's kind of all the same to me. If you really think you're a team that can develop that kind of guy, like a Toronto maybe, like that's the kind of guy that they would be into in that range. They're not in that range, but. I've got him at 34, so interesting. So you have him at, at 30. So like the, all, a lot of the mocks I've looked at got him either 35 to undrafted. Again, I haven't updated that in, in mm. a few days. But um, yeah, so you're going really high on him. And I'm seeing him creep up. Um, and he's there's a lot of mock drafts I looked at from even the two, three weeks. So he's not even on him, not even in the top 60 picks. Yeah, he, and he, but he is he's rising. been in my top 45 for a while. Um, it's not even so much that I'm that high on him. It's more just like I think after 22 or 23, this draft really flattens out. And the reason he's at 30 for me is I wanted to have that as a nice clean tier. But I was just thinking of like what guy could start. Could I see being a starter? And it's like, I could see this guy being like a, you know, starting four at some point. Like it's not, it's not out of the range of possibility to me because he's yeah, the athleticism there, the shooting's there. He's you know, not, not bad at defense. I feel like if a team really thinks they can, they can work with him and, and just kind of the thing, he doesn't have like a huge weakness other than just, He's just not like super consistent, and that's I'm not I'm not worried about that. Yeah, that, that. That can grow. And the interesting thing here, I think, is we just talked about Brandon Miller and his age, and we look at you know Prosper, and we if it depends how you look at it. Like he's a junior. Like he played at Clemson, then he's played two years at Marquette, right? But he's four months older than Brandon Miller, so he's not old. Like he is a young junior versus Miller being an old freshman so all this stuff is really relative so this he's three years college experience and he's four months older than brandon miller that is a, a really interesting thing to, to look at and it's just one thing we always need to keep in mind is that classes don't always mean the same thing like three years college experience and he's 20 years of age like that is it's really really intriguing to see where and, and the rate of development as well coming across the market is something to watch now this next guy is someone that i really wanted to talk to you about because i think you were the first person i saw really discussing him as a potentially draftable player and it is jalen slauson now if people who play fantasy basketball listen to the show and dynasty fantasy basketball this guy's statistical translations are unbelievable it's almost two blocks and two steals per 36 minutes. It's 18 points. He rebounds. He got to, gets assists. He hit 39% from three. Big field goal percentage. Good free throw percentage. Everything there looks, wow, this is a potential unbelievable fantasy play if you just look at the numbers. But he did it playing for Furman. He's 23 already. He's obviously, I think he played five years in college. Yeah, um, yeah so he played yeah, yeah, five years. It was a starter. The last two, full-time started the last, oh no, he's started for four years, but played like over 30 minutes the last two years. But 
has always been this big steals and blocks guy. And he, amazingly, through his career, 1.2 steals, 1.2 steals, 1.7 steals. Oh, sorry, 1.2 steals, 1.2 blocks. 1.7 steals, 1.7 blocks. 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. <laughs> the exact same number of steals and blocks basically every single season. Like It's... Uh, it's actually uncanny. Thirty uh, totals: thirty-one steals, thirty blocks; fifty-eight steals, fifty-eight blocks; fifty-five steals, fifty-five blocks. I never seen symmetry like that. So everything about it, statistic-wise, looks like wow, this is unbelievable. Like this guy is what a yeah. what a prospect. Look at this upside. But why isn't he? Or not why isn't he? But what what do we? How do we temper that down? Uh, well, the first thing for me, and, and I, I hate to single this guy out, former Bull. I don't think he's a bad guy, but it's I'm, I kind of refer to it as the Chandler Hutchison rule. Okay. Where if a guy is older and is like a low 30 shooter until his senior year, I'm always a little wary of that. And as you uh, should be. And then it's just the, the level of competition is not super high. He played well in the tournament. Like he played really well against Virginia. But I, I think it is just the age, and it's more just like best case it was just like kenrich williams and like i love kenrich williams but you're not taking that guy top you know top 35 even not 40 but i'm a big i'm a huge slosson fan he always pops up in in our all of our terrific searches and i'm 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 always just a fan of a guy like a small school kind of small ish because he's like a four for them yep but i think he could just he's just a general wing in the nba like i don't think there's really a position but I'm a fan of weirdos, of guys who have like, why does this guy have so, so, such a high assist rate for like a uh, like a big man? Uh, you know, Tosan uh, Boehm, the, the uh, Princeton guys like that too, where it's like, I don't know if he's an NBA player, but he averaged like eight assists a game as like a six, seven center. It's like Kylo Quinn's a good example of that kind of player of like, this guy's weird. Like, I, I don't, I, there's no like obvious archetype he fits into. So it's more just like, I, I want to see what he is. I'll, t- I'll take him. I, def- I definitely draft him. There's no doubt in my mind. I like your Kenrich Williams comparison here. Just a guy that mm-hmm. defends, passes, need him to shoot. I oh, will work on it. We'll see what happens. And I think Kenrich shot 40% from three this season after struggling you know, 20% for a couple of years early in his career. Mm-hmm. But just, you want him to play center? Sure. You want him to go guard wings? No worries. I'll do it. And that's really yeah. valuable. Like It's not going to blow people away in terms of, you know, you're not taking him super high, but, that player, if it pans out that way, Kendrick Williams is a guy that every player and every team in the NBA should want. And if yeah. Slauson turns into that sort of player, that's awesome. And, and the stats show that like, there is contributions right across the board that could come from him. Like, yes, the age is is a factor, but oh, I have no problem drafting him in the second round either. Like, all of these numbers no. look unbelievably strong. And it's always a good way to start is to have that baseline of producing, not needing to be the number one guy, not needing to have everything run around you of like, well, I've got to do every single, everything with scoring possession has got to be me. Like I can pass, I can just do everything and you know, lead a team to a strong performance in the yeah. tournament. Um, it's all it's all really positive to me. So yeah, I love him as a second round player, as fantasy guys. The again. Other, oh, go ahead. The other players I think he does sort of compare to, like I think if he really works out is like a, the Martin twins, either one. Yep. Just like competent. Like the guy helps, he can play in a rotation. Yep, you just you always want. Who doesn't him, need that? You always want him out there. Like, hey, do you, can you play thirty minutes? Sure, you're gonna go down to eighteen. No worries. Can you shoot? Can you defend? Can you do? Can you pass? Can you just do multiple different things? Like that's it's really useful to have those guys. They don't they don't sell jerseys. They don't get you excited, but they help you win. And those sort of players, like unearthing that guy, is is really important. Do you see him as a guy like you're high on him as a second round pick? Is he a guy that you think will probably end up as a as a two way sort of a player, or more of a like you know, a two year with non guarantee sort of a, a full contract player? I've heard reasonable. It really depends on what he and his agent want. 
Yep. Because the thing, a lot of the two-way guys, especially like the the first guy, the guys who were signed like the night of the draft, they just didn't want to take second round contracts. That's really what it is. Like, yep. They decided against it. Um, but I've I've heard enough from the limited sources I have that I think teams are. This is a big wing draft, and I feel like the thing the thing is, it's not a it's not a fifty-eight wing draft. So at some point, someone in the second round is going to want a bench wing, and like they might take it. I could see it. He's a really interesting prospect, and I'm really excited to see what ends up happening with Jalen Sawson. But I'm also excited, Brian, that that's not, I'm not excited, but that is the end of the show because we have gone through <laughs> all of our prospects. We've talked Brandon Miller, we've talked Taylor Hendricks, we've talked some interesting weirdo second round players as well. Tell people um, what you've got going on, what's going on over at your Patreon, how they find that Patreon to get your draft stuff, your mock drafts, capsule big boards, all that sort of thing. It's, uh, well, it's Brian's GMBA at Patreon, but the easiest way to find it is just go to my Twitter because it's linked there. Um, and then I, I, I haven't written as much the last week or so, but I still plan on doing some kind of micro scale profile things on like guys like Casey Wallace, maybe Tariq Whitehead. I'm not sure yet. Doing a few more things. Then I always have mock drafts coming up and then some point within a couple of weeks of the draft, I will be publishing my, uh, my full capsule thing for free. Like I do every year. You can get, you can see it right now, but. I have it. Uh, uh, I have it open on my screen by, behind yeah. me here. So I've got got your capsule big board up there. Been looking <laughs> looking over at that, and it is absolutely worth it. So go and check out Brian's stuff over at uh, Patreon. Brian, thanks again for about the fifth year in a row. I think it is coming on and talking draft prospects with me. Anytime. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.